on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday, February 7th, 2023. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you for the next two hours here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader for the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. We have a great show on tap for you today. Lots of Auburn basketball talk, lots of college basketball talk as well a new bracketology out today Auburn on the road tonight at Texas A&M we're going to talk about all of that plus there's a chance that history could be made in the NBA tonight we'll talk about that as well but Carter happy Tuesday brother how are you I'm great man I'm great it's good to be here it's good to be uh back on the show like we do every single day ready to talk uh some Auburn basketball where I'm sure you're gonna tell me the sky is falling I mean, you just never know, man. You never know what I'm going <laughs> to say. I know exactly what you're going to say every <laughs> well, time when it comes well, to Well, you can't tell right them. Now. You can't tell the listeners that right now. Then they'll I, leave. I didn't say what you're going to say. I just know <laughs> what you're going to say. <laughs> well, I guess you'll have to stay tuned and find out and see what happens when we talk some Auburn basketball. We will get to all of that coming up here in the show today. Hey, phone lines are open the entire show. We'd love to hear from you. Our normal guest, Trey Wallace, will join us tomorrow at 3.30, and so... Phone lines are open all show long today. We'd love to get your thoughts on anything going on in the sports world right now. Uh, Auburn on the road at Texas A&M. How do you feel about tonight's game? Are you confident in Auburn going on the road and getting a win against Texas A&M? Do you think this is a must-win situation for Auburn given their schedule coming up? How are you feeling? We'd love to hear from you, the listener, all show long today. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. And uh, some good news. Lee Scott girls basketball won yesterday they are now in the final four they'll play tomorrow in Montgomery so uh, there's that they did start about 45 minutes late Uh, the officials were under the assumption the game started at six when they were scheduled to start at five so that's fun that was really fun yeah that was a that was a really good time how'd you pass the uh, time I did a 45 minute pregame show on varsity girls basketball that's so great yeah when it it was fantastic and it actually it turned out really well uh, because I talked about (laughs) I talked about the least god girls in the season right looked at the bracket it, talked about the boys looked at that bracket so yes that was a that was a very nice uh that was a nice piece of information to get with about two minutes before tip off uh one of the least got girls players madison davis she came up and she was like hey by the way um officials are going to be late they thought the game started at six not at five and i was like all right well that's fantastic and i was already on the air so i just ran with it and did a very long pregame show yeah it sounds like it yeah um but Do you feel like you properly set it up and got all the information out? In those, I in sure those hope so. Out. In 45 minutes, I hope so. Uh, I think so. So hopefully, if anybody listened, hopefully they know exactly what's going on. But yes, Lee Scott girls win yesterday. Lee Scott boys play tonight. Uh, winner, uh, if they win, they will move on to the Final Four in Montgomery as well. Uh, Auburn High girls play tonight over on 96.3 W. Lee. Our good buddy Jack Hutton will be at Central High School um, calling as Auburn High takes on Opelika in their area 
tournament. So shout out to Jack. He'll be on the air uh, right around, I believe they play at 5 or 5.30. I can't remember which one. Jenny, is it 5 or 5.30? 5.30, okay. Well, Jenny will be running the board. That's why I asked her. So they'll be playing at 5.30. Jack will go on the air about 5.15. So if you're looking to listen to that, you can. So good news there. Auburn and uh, Lee Scott both in postseason play. But we'll get into our, our rundown here today. Again, we're going to look at some bracketology. There's a new uh, Joe Lenardi bracketology from ESPN. We'll look at where Auburn stands right now. We'll look at uh, where the SEC stands right now. And I'm uh, I'm guessing they could probably use some help in bracketology right now. We'll look at Auburn playing on the road tonight against Texas A&M. We'll break it all down. And again, history could be made tonight in the NBA as LeBron James going to break the all-time scoring record. Uh, So we'll talk about that a little later on as well. But again, phone lines are open. 334-321-1390. We'll jump into it. Carter. When you look at the newest bracketology for today from Joe Lenardi, is there anything that stands out in your mind besides where Auburn is right now? Uh, besides where Auburn is, I haven't really gotten the best look at it. I do think you've got some interesting teams. One of your last four buys is West Virginia. and Two of them. Well, really, the last four buys are all. Very interesting from Auburn's perspective because it's West Virginia, USC, Kentucky, and Arkansas. Four teams Auburn has played this year. Last four in, one of those is Memphis. So five teams right there. I saw that there was some some discussion about, um, I think, Joe Goodman. When all people would bring up Auburn to him, he'd say, what tournament team has Auburn played and what tournament team has Auburn beaten, I guess. That's less than the, that's not exactly, I guess, the answer, but as far as tournament teams Auburn will have played by the end of the year, that's five right there. First two out, Texas A&M, Florida. Um, It's an interesting look right there with those seven teams in those first, I guess, ten spots um, of the last four buys, last four in, first two of the four out. Mm Mm-hmm. All have played Auburn, and Auburn will have played by the end of the year. I mean, Auburn has not played Kentucky yet, but they will. Um, it's a matter of time until that game ends up taking place. I guess the one seed Arizona, I just don't think they're very good. And maybe I am just overvaluing the fact that like they have some really bad losses at home to like Washington State. Like, look, Justin Powell's an okay player, but a team from Pullman, Washington in the middle of winter should not come to Arizona and beat Arizona in basketball. Ever. Well, ever. If, if you don't think Arizona's that great, if this were the bracket in round two, they'd get a chance to, your boys would get a chance to prove it. Northwestern has a nine seed up against Missouri in the first round. If they were Which, to win that, the they'd way, play Arizona. Would be a great game. I would lean Northwestern in that game because of the way that they have more consistently played. Uh, I think that they have the pieces to match up with uh, Kobe Brown. And if you match up with Kobe Brown, I think it becomes a lot more difficult for Missouri to win that game. I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of would like uh, Northwestern or Missouri in a matchup with wow. Arizona in that second round. Wow, interesting. Well, when I look at the bracket, uh, I think you mentioned it already. Texas A&M is one of the first four out. I think that's that has to have Auburn fans catch their eye, no doubt. All I'm saying 
is in that northwestern region, if Indiana comes out of the other side, mm. Northwestern beat Indiana on the road earlier this year. I mean, we could we could be talking about a Elite Eight Northwestern team out of the West. Are you saying Gonzaga would lose to Indiana? I'm not counting that out. I don't think Gonzaga's that special this year. I've never thought they're that special. I I mean, I think at their peak when you had Kispert, Timmy, Suggs all on the same team, not last year's version. I don't think last year's version was was anywhere close to that. That team also had Nimhart, I believe, as Mm -hmm. well on that team. That team was really good. Really good. As far as, like, that's, that's four NBA players. Yeah. Four and four decent NBA players. Timmy's probably, ironically, Timmy's probably the worst NBA player out of that bunch. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'm with you. Look, I mean, when you look at bracketology right now, again, uh, as change, but yes. Oh, yeah, and that's the thing. That's kind of where I was going with that. Is this is every time you every time you look at bracketology, you have to take it with with a little bit of a grain of salt because this is going to change. We're still what five weeks out from Selection Sunday, and so this is all going to change. Very few things will stay the same as they are right now. But again. Texas A&M being a first four out is very, very important, which plays into tonight's game for Auburn because A&M has a lot to play for over the next month and a week and the next five weeks. I mean, they have a lot to play for, and tonight would be a big win for Texas A&M. Is Auburn a resume-building win right now? I don't really think so. I don't. It's a quad it, one win. It, it is. It's a it quad is. one win. But right now, it's not a top 25 win. You're looking at a position. Depends um, on where you look. Eight people. Well, they're, I mean, sure. I mean, I, th- I don't think Auburn should have really dropped that far for losing at the at the time number two team. But in Kimpom, they're, they're the 24th team. I mean, it depends on where, they're right where, in there, where yes. you look. But tonight is a big win for A&M. And again... That's what plays into tonight for Auburn. And again, we're going to get into the Auburn A&M game, but A&M being first four out means they have a lot to play for. They are playing to get into the tournament right now. Auburn is right there in the middle, and you look at where Auburn ends up. As of right now, Auburn fans would probably be okay with this. They're the eighth seed playing in Birmingham against the ninth seed, North Carolina. And I feel good about that matchup. I actually do. I feel good about that matchup. And then I feel that you draw the easiest of the one seeds in Houston. A team that, because this is something I was listening to Corey Crisper, or Kispert, actually, mm. uh, on, on Pardon My Take this past week. He was talking about the difficulty of being a, in a mid-major, being a, like, a team that's supposed to run through a mid-major, and you're supposed to blow teams out and then you step into the NCAA tournament and you haven't played that many competitive games over the last two months two three months I think it affects you and he said he said like at Gonzaga they would have to practice so extra they'd have to give so much extra effort in practice because the practice had to be their competitive games because they were going to win so many by by a lot I don't mind which is why I don't ever give respect to Gonzaga I get it, but I'm saying just from a talent perspective, they have been no, they've had elite. talent. Yeah, um, Auburn, Houston. I don't, I don't hate that for Auburn. I, I really don't hate don't. it either, and I like Auburn. I think again, a ton of Auburn fans like the idea of the Tigers playing in, in Birmingham that, their first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. In that draw, 
of those of teams Auburn could see all the way to, I guess, the um, Sweet 16. I mean, Tennessee, Baylor, right? Well, I mean, su- well sweet, sweet 16. So oh, not, oh not got you. Okay. Elite Eight. I'm, I'm looking at the top half of that region. TCU? The one team that scares me is, is Rutgers. Yeah, Rutgers is decent. They're That's solid. the one team that would scare me if I if if I was an Auburn fan, or if I was on the Auburn team. I would go the that TCU Rutgers route. team is solid. Well, TCU's got the best player on the team out with injury, and that's so fair. I, I yeah, that's fair. I wonder if TCU's going to be able to hang on to that four line moving forward because of their their shorthanded and of how tough the Big Twelve is as a conference. Yes, exactly, exactly. I think it's going to be difficult for them to hang on to that four line right now. Bottom half of this region, Iowa could give a lot of people trouble because they are one of the best offensive teams in America, and nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about it at all, actually. They are, I'm going to try to find them in Ken Palm. I know they lead the, I know they lead the uh, Big Ten in offensive adjusted, uh, or in, in adjusted offensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. Number two in America, Iowa is. So they are the polar opposite of their football team. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, and they're like, matched and up against Arkansas right now, which again, I don't Arkansas, Arkansas may not even be a tournament team. They may fall I out of the we're tournament. we're going to have a discussion about that. I don't think they are a... ESPN has them listed under the category of work to do as far as the bubble team. In the SEC, the should-be-ins are Auburn and Missouri. Uh, the locks are Alabama and Tennessee. Right. The work to do are Arkansas, Kentucky, Florida, Texas A&M, and Mississippi State. And as of right now, Bracketology has the SEC with six teams in the tournament. Yeah. And and I think that we're talking about some teams uh, that I think have a chance to climb the way I've been talking about Mississippi State. I think they're going to get some wins in conference play, and they might climb into this picture. Uh, Florida's quietly been pretty solid in conference play if only their non-conference record was better than i feel like they'd be in that should be in category mm-hmm. uh kentucky's quietly put together a solid sec slate uh and started to win some games after a rough start there are teams kind of climbing in i mean a&m is the best example of this because they were barely above 500 in non-conference play and if they just handle their business they're in without a doubt right now without a doubt like they're above Auburn in the should be in category for the SEC. There's if a, they if yeah. they win their non conference games. There's a possibility they're a top twenty five team right now. They probably would be a top twenty five team. If they had gone if they had dropped one, maybe two of their non conference games, mm-hmm. we'd be talking about them being a top twenty team in the country. Easily. Which apparently they don't want to be ranked or something. They've gone on that whole tirade of don't rank us type of thing. So credit to them, I guess. You know what matchup just kind of scanning through this that looks the most fun? In what, just the whole bracketology? The whole bracket. The the Las Vegas region, Mm -hmm. the West region, very bottom, second round, Creighton, Texas. I like that. Creighton, Texas, I feel like could be an awesome I think Creighton-USC in the first round would be a good game. I think it'd be a good game. I think Creighton's better. I think Creighton's more talented. I think they are, too. But I think that Creighton-Texas game, if you got to the, to that in the, in the second round, I think Creighton could be a sneaky Final Four team based on that draw. And how about Kansas last night taking care of business against Texas and really bouncing back? Kansas, look, man, the Big 12 is a fantastic home, conference. Right? Mm-hmm. 
that just goes to show you how hard it is to win on the road in the Big 12. And that's why I gave Texas a bunch of credit this weekend for going to Kansas State and getting a win. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And winning on the road, winning in the Big 12 right now is really hard. But like you've said, Carter, winning on the road in the Big 12 seems really hard right now. Kansas takes care of business last night against Texas, 88-80. to um, A big win. But again, we've said this multiple times. Credit to that Texas squad doing what they're doing right now, given all of the circumstances with, uh, with the previous head coach and everything that's happened there. There's still a two-seed right now in the tournament. And... That's where they automatic qualifying bid. So they're saying that's with Texas getting the the AQ and Kansas coming in as a two seed on the other side of the bracket, just as a good team out of the Big Twelve. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, and they are they are the two seed matched up with Alabama. That would be you want to talk game about that a really be. fun Elite Eight game. That yeah. would be a lot of fun to watch as well. I mean, Alabama didn't Alabama lose to UConn earlier earlier in the year? Yes, they did. Well, that's their five seed on their side of the bracket as well. And UConn's playing. UConn's been so up and down, man. UConn has been so up and down. I've got it. Sweet 16. Sugar Bowl revenge game. (laughs) K-State beats Alabama. Hey, you never know. Alabama (laughs) as the one seed. Uh, Their second round matchup would be Pitt or Michigan State. They would probably handle either one of those squads as long as they do what they do. Uh, Bracketology, it's really interesting, but again, We are talking about this on February 7th. This is going to change. I promise Uh, it will be shaken up. It will look completely different uh, come middle of March when we have Selection Sunday. But it's exciting to look at. you got Kentucky as a 10 seed, possible UCLA matchup in the second round. So it's just fun to look at bracketology and look where Auburn is. Again, as they are currently an 8 seed against the 9 seed North Carolina playing in Birmingham in the East bracket. Uh, Auburn fans would love to see, see the Tigers play in Birmingham for the NCAA tournament. But we'll take our first break of the show. We'll come back and have question of the day. It revolves around LeBron James, who's going tonight. He has to score 36 points to become the NBA's all-time leading scorer. We'll talk about whether he is the GOAT of basketball when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Question of the day here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Carter, tonight is a big night in the NBA as LeBron James goes after the all-time scoring record. He needs 36 points tonight to break Kareem's record in scoring and it seems to be uh, believed that he will do it tonight Uh, the Lakers are uh, uh, they're on the road I believe they're on the road and um, it's just been a lot of talk about whether you know it's not a talk of whether it's going to happen it will happen but does this secure LeBron James with GOAT status in the NBA if he becomes or when he becomes the all-time scoring leader does this submit him as the greatest of all time in the NBA? I mean, I don't know for me how much this is going to change anything about the debate Jordan versus LeBron. Really, I mean, like, we've we've known that this is coming for years because he's been the fastest to every point milestone. Lakers are at home. My apologies. They're at home. (laughs) But, yeah, I, like, this doesn't change that much for me. I think it's a great thing to put on the resume, and I think that 
um, another feather in the cap, but I don't think it it just doesn't change much. So if it doesn't change, what's your thoughts on it? Is just This is a conversation that's been had for 15 years, right? But I think this is obviously plays into this factor. I think it plays into it. I think it has a lot to do with it. But where do you stand on it? I don't think we've ever had this conversation. I think when you look talk about Jordan versus LeBron, I think Jordan has more of a killer instinct and that I'm going to rip your heart out and beat you and he's who I would trust late in the game if I needed somebody to go get me a bucket um, over the course of an entire season and just an everyday player. I might take LeBron postseason. I feel like you kind of have to take Jordan just with the resume. Yeah, I mean, and, six and for six. Where, you can't, where, can't where argue that. I feel that. like that um, killer instinct does have more value. But as far as like an everyday player, can't take LeBron, right? Because he's well, he does a little bit of everything. Well, here's my argument. We're about to get to the phone lines. Here's how I've always labeled this, and we'll get to the phones, and I'll explain it either in this segment or later on when we talk about it some more. Michael Jordan is the GOAT. He is the greatest of all time. He's 6-for-6. Six six. He never lost in the finals. Like you mentioned, he's got that killer instinct. He was just it. He is that dude. He is the greatest of all time. But LeBron James is the boat. He is the best of all time. LeBron James is a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. LeBron James is the best basketball player who has ever stepped foot on the floor. Now, is his record in the finals the same? No. Are his attributes in in numbers the same? No. They're similar, but they're different. They were two different players. They also played in two different eras, and all of those things are legitimate factors in this conversation. LeBron James is the best player that's ever played. But he's not the GOAT because of what Jordan did, how he did it, and how LeBron has gone throughout his career. I don't think he's the greatest of all time. There is a difference, and I it, it, it's hard to explain at times, but that's how I see it. And I think tonight when LeBron breaks the record, gets 36, barring some yep. crazy injury, God forbid, right? I think it'll happen tonight. He'll break the record. That will just cement him even more as the best player to ever play NBA basketball. Yeah. We got to get get to the phone lines. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if Ed is commenting on this or something else. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Ed, you're on the line. Welcome in. Uh, hey guys. <clears throat> yeah, uh, yeah. I'll comment on that and then mm-hmm. uh, kind of lead from that to something else. Yeah. But, uh, I'm with. I'm. I'm with what you're saying uh, you know to me michael jordan was the greatest and uh <clears throat> you know the goat and 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 you know for me this is just me personally it's because he was just so much more fun to watch and so competitive mm-hmm. yeah. you, you know i mean lebron's james is you know absolutely like you said just out of the atmosphere and uh, but his game's not nearly as exciting to me to watch, you know, as uh, what Michael was. Mm-hmm. And, and Michael, you could just see the determination. Everybody, could, you just kind of got pulled into it, you know, if you were watching it really close. Yeah, no, and, I, I'm I'm with you. Yeah, and uh, this is going to lead me out of this morning on I think uh, on Max Jay Willing. Keyshawn, uh, mm-hmm. they were uh, they were they were speaking about uh, uh, Morant, John Morant, ja, uh-huh. yes. and, and and you know having some some of his friends and whatever causing problems. 
and, you know, games and how you have to, you know, you have to start. You can't just let things be just however they're going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, as you start to, to enter the world that he's entering or he's in. But uh, and, and I'm going to tie this into the uh, uh, was it Rashada from Florida? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, he got to me, it comes down to. He had some family that given, you know, trying to take over all this. And it, from what I've read, and I've read quite a bit, <clears throat> he's not a bad kid. And he, you know, he, he he's a real quiet kid. And it's just some other people that kind of kind of took over his his recruitment and his interest and in working the deals for him. And, and this is a young man, of course, you know, 17, 18. Right. I, I just think it was a complicated situation that he may have gotten tied up in with a lot of different people. Lots, I mean, we're talking tons of money there as well, right, Ed? And just, just lots yeah. of uh, lots of complications with that situation. Ed, I hate to do it, man. We're up against a break. i got to let you go. Hey, but hey, No problem. Uh, what, what I was going to – real quick. Yeah. Uh, We've, we've got to get some kind of regulation. We've got to get something to yep. help guys coming out. You know, some kind of system for yep. everybody. I agree. I agree. Appreciate the call, Ed. I hate to, I hate to cut you off. I feel terrible. we got to get to the break, though. We'll talk about that when we come back. We do mention that. Uh, I do want to uh, get a point in on that because I like where he was going with that. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. We'll talk some more when we come back. Jacob Goertz and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Thank you to Ed for calling in. I hate that we had to cut him short up against a break. Got to pay the bills. But he did bring up uh, a couple of interesting uh, points. He chimed in on the uh, Michael Jordan, LeBron James conversation, the the argument that's been had for 15 years that will go on until the next one comes along, right? And... um, he mentioned that it's Jordan for him uh, to be the GOAT because uh, he was more fun to watch. And, you know, and I think that's what it all boils down to is it's all personal opinion. You're never, there's never ever going to be someone who is actually claimed and named to be the greatest of all time. There are some in other sports that are more obvious than others, uh, but this is a conversation that will be had for a long, long time as LeBron James goes for the all-time scoring title tonight. Uh, He has to score 36 points against the Thunder at home. You can watch that 9 o'clock on TNT uh, if you want to watch history because I think it will happen tonight. But it also brought up the point uh, about NIL, talking about uh, the situation that just happened at Florida and basically saying there's got to be some form of limitations. I agree. I think a cap is something that I have discussed on here before. Um, I think that something is going to have to happen because if you don't slow it down, I know, Carter, you're more on the belief that the market will sort of fix itself. I just don't see how that's going to happen. Well, money's not infinite, and these business people at some of these there yes, you may get the dude at Miami who spends money until he has no more, but... These people make money by being shrewd business people. They're not going to just keep burning money to to be good at football or whatever. I mean, it, the market's going to correct itself. It's, it is how it's going to operate, and the first big round of NIL bus 
which is probably coming in the next 24 months, um, that'll go a long way for it. I mean, that'll go a long way for it. If Arch Manning never starts a game at Texas and they pay him upwards of $10 million, yeah, that's going to have an effect on the market. Yeah, and I think that's that's going to happen, right? I mean, that you're going to have busts. You already do have busts, but now there's a lot more money on the line with those guys if they don't pan out to what you thought they were going to be. And sure, I think that will at some to some extent will control it, but I also think that there's a way to where the money's just going to continue to go up unless there is some limitation because a lot of these guys are businessmen, like you said, and the old saying still fits. You got to spend money to make money. They're not just throwing their money away because they want their team to be good. They are seeing opportunities here to have these kids be good, bring attention to the school, bring attention to the business, and that is how this thing will go for years and years to come unless this kid cannot make $50 million because that's going to happen there if is, they don't limit this. There is a handful of players that are giving a positive return on investment for what they're being, the NIL money being spent on them in the entire country. If you are spending $100,000 on an offensive lineman, an NIL, that is, that is money you're not seeing back. And there are schools that, that will do that. But that, like, that's what I'm saying is, in order to build a championship-level roster... It is market's going to correct itself in some capacity. Yeah, money's going to get spent on quarterbacks. Yeah. But a defensive tackle, a defensive end, which, to be honest, that's how Georgia's been winning, winning back-to-back championships and been so dominant. They're filthy on the defensive line. I promise you, that defensive line is getting a pretty penny. I'm but sure they are. You're not getting a return on that investment. Yeah, it's great for the school, but like these are individuals who have their money. Like, okay, let's 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 talk about this from an Auburn perspective. You've you've got your big money booster down uh, south of here, who runs Yellowwood. Yeah, he's not going to fork over cash all day for nil. He's not going to do it. Because he's been a good businessman his entire life. Like, within a reason, it's going to correct itself. That's just the way this is going to work. And it's, and it's been moving that way. And having worked in the space, this was something that was talked about by a whole bunch of people. The market's going to correct itself in NIL. And it's, you're not going to spend up, up, and up. We're not going to get to a point where a quarterback's going to get paid $20 million to, to play college football. It's not going to happen. I just like, haven't. Like, I haven't man, seen I think, anything to where that is not going to happen, though. I haven't seen business. anything. When you have an unregulated market, it's going to correct itself over time. It's not going to correct itself immediately. But even if it corrects itself, that doesn't mean that it can't go up. And I think it will continue to go up. No, I, I, I wholeheartedly disagree because these, like, you have to understand the mindset of the people that are giving the money for these schools. They're not willing to just, I mean, burn money all the time. That's not going to happen. 
but I don't think it is, Bert. To an extent, sure. And on some situations, yeah, you're going to lose your money, but they're going to figure out a way to make money off of this. That's how businesses work. They're going to spend the money on these kids, and they're going to find a way to do it because that's the whole reason of this. I, I, within the current setup of NIL, I disagree. I do not think that that is, that is how the, this is going to work. I, I don't think you're going to make money off of giving money in NIL to a school, to a collective for players. I I. I there is not a big enough payoff when you're paying an entire roster of players, which the best schools are going to do. It's not possible to make money off of that. Well, then the businesses are going to quit funding it. They're not going to shovel well, the, money. The market's going to correct itself, and it's going to come down. And if that, what I am if, saying. If that happens, then sure. Absolutely. That is what I am saying. If that, I could see a possibility there. I could. I could see that. If businesses figure out, okay, we're not making money, then there, sure. there are there are guys on the campus in the city that we live in right now who are getting paid more money than what their name, image, and likeness is actually worth. I would guess, and you probably the, the, whether it's a collective or whether it's a business, however it's working, and this is happening everywhere. You're not getting a you're not coming out in the positive as the business, and that's happening everywhere for. 20, 30, 40 players on it on every team, uh, all the best teams that are getting this NIL money. That's just the way it's working. And that's fair. And again, I, I see that side of it. And if if that is what happens, I could see that. That's what I'm trying to say as well. Like businesses are there's two options here. All of these businesses and big time people who are throwing money at kids to go to different schools. A, they're going to find a way to make money on it, and that's how it will go up and up and up. Or B, like you're saying, they'll realize, okay, this is not actually working. We are losing money and not making that investment back. Then we're going to tail it down. I think that's where we're going. It's either option A or option B, and I see exactly what you're saying. We've got Ed back on the phone lines. We'll get to him, 334-321-1390. Welcome back, Ed. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm not disputing anything you're saying. What you're talking about is the business side of it, and I agree with all of that. What I'm saying is that I think this kid got some bad advice. He, I think the NCAA or a new panel, some type of regulation for these kids to go to so that the kids don't get taken advantage of, or their parents, something that can help something some kind of oversight for them. I'm not worried about the businessman. I'm not worried about the money. I'm not worried. I was talking about, I think, you know, that the kids, they need some kind of, I would, I would suggest just a panel, you know, mm-hmm. something, you know, for them to go to. Yeah. But I, yeah, I'm not, the universities, you know, they, they've got all they've got, they're set. And I, I, I was, I was just meaning the kids, I think, mm-hmm. have yeah. some kind of something to go to instead of relying on their uncle or their aunt or their, you know what I mean? Right. I, well, well, think I'm about it in like professional, right? And I mean, you've got like the, the players associations, right? Where they've got a president and a vice president, exactly. the players association who, who they're in charge of watching over all of the players. I think that's sort of where you're going with that, right? Well, that's a different conversation. That is a different conversation because that's unionizing the players. Yeah, right. And at that point, you're just cutting them in on whatever the overall like revenue is. That's a completely no, different. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about any of that. Don't put words into my I, mouth. Ed, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't responding to you. I was responding to Jacob there. Okay, I'm talking about just like 
I mean, just a counseling service. Right, right. Yeah, just an, a, an oversight service. Yeah. Being recruited. Nationally? Being recruited can, has access to and can help them from getting manipulated. That's why I've, you know, referenced it to John Moran because he's got a lot of people around him that, that might cost him a lot of money mm-hmm. and, and not necessarily looking after his interest. Ed, are, are, are you saying nationally every kid being re- recruited? Uh, yes, uh, 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 yes, exactly. Any kid being recruited, there would be a service that they could go to that would be like a, a clearinghouse, you know, that, that they wouldn't have to uh, depend because mm-hmm. these are 17 year old kids. Right. A lot of them. And, and some, some kind of help for them to, to make their decision mm-hmm. other than their aunt or their grandmother or, you know. You know what I mean. No, I, I got you. No, I, I get what you you're saying. Some kind of support for, for, for incoming players so they don't get caught up because, I, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, I, the kid, the quarterback, you know, Rashad, Rashad uh, he could have probably gotten a better deal, but he had some people above him saying, no, no, we're going to do this. Gonna, and he would have been making, man, he would have been making like 160, 170 of a, a month his last year if he stayed, you know. Well, well, I, mean, I think that that, that, that was a Florida issue and not a an issue on Jaden's side. It, exactly, but, but he got caught up in it, and and somebody he had like a he didn't have, he had got advice from uncle or father. I'm just saying some type of. <sighs> Right, just some okay. sort of a, an oversight service where the players can go and get some help and representation. I, I, I get, I get what you're saying. I do, I get it. And don't you agree that something's got to? I mean, something will happen. You don't got to agree, but something will happen. Yeah, something but, will happen you know, eventually. They've got to do something. They've got to do something about it, and we all know that. But anyway, guys, Warriors, uh, y'all have a good day. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate the call. It. We appreciate you calling back. We'll get to the phone lines again. Uh. You know what? Let's take a break. I want to give everybody their fair shot. Give them some time. We'll go ahead and take an early break. When we come back, Jay, hold on. We're going to get to you on the other side. We'd love to hear from you as well. 334-321-1390. We're getting back to the phone lines when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up our number one. It's been a busy one on the phone lines. We're going to get back to it right now. 334-321-1390. Jay, we appreciate you holding on through the break. You're on the line. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. I've been, I've been listening to your, um, your, your discussion on, just briefly, on this NIL deal, mm-hmm. especially with the young man at the, uh, I guess he was trying to go to the University of Florida. Yes. The, the, the the theories that you've been bringing up in terms of the market correcting itself and all of that, may I make a suggestion? Of course. Um, I'm taking that the the station is located in Auburn, Alabama, correct? Yes. Yes. War Eagle, gentlemen. Appreciate uh, <laughs> um, You all have a group of instructors over there at the university. And mm-hmm. I'm quite sure you also have uh, some instructors over at Southern Union and over like who are economics instructors. Mm-hmm. The, is, the the situation that you pose, the questions that you're posing, and the situation that you're posing, this would be a very good economics question 
because whether or not the market can correct itself is is very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the question is, do we really need college athletics versus do we need gasoline? Hmm. If you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. And 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 I'm not an economics. I teach business. Oh, okay. To your college, but I'm not an economics instructor. Mm-hmm. The market can't correct itself based on the law of supply and demand. If the supply is too much and there's no demand, then, yeah, prices will fall. That's mm-hmm. what happened with gas in 2020 during the, during the height of the pandemic. Right. You couldn't go nowhere or light a gas, well, prices fell. The question then becomes, in regards to student athletics, at what point do we get to a law of diminishing returns where – I want this kid, but I'm not willing to pay this amount of money for that kid. I think I think you're seeing that in very isolated instances where it has not become the norm yet. I think uh, from what I've heard, there have been some moments like that where you've had a school that is willing to play cra- pay crazy money for a player and other schools that might want them just are like, okay, I don't think that that's a wise u- uh, usage of my funds. And I think that that's something that these collectives that are in place, they don't have the infinite money supply that I think some fans have, think they have. I'll be honest no. with you, I don't, think they, I don't think they have the money that they, whatever they portray publicly, I think this is happening everywhere in the U.S. right now in, in college football uh, and probably college basketball. Whatever number they're saying publicly, I don't think right. they have that. I think that's probably pledges over X amount of years, and they probably have a third half of that actually in-house ready to be used. And that's where I'm making the argument that unless something so you, you establish some really great system where you have money coming in from the entire fan base every single month and you're able to replenish that supply... Your big money people at some of these schools, they can only they're only going to give so much, and and I think right. that everybody's supply of money is a lot lower than what they're portraying. I, I will say this: I think what needs to happen, and I'm not saying I'm not anti stipend, uh, I'm not anti paying players, I'm not. So all of you out there in Radio Land, <laughs> I'm not anti paying players, but what I am saying. There needs to be some type of regulation in place so that the the, the car don't go off the rails. Fair. There Fair. has to be some type of regulation in place to say, okay, for a first-year player, whether or not they see the field or not, this is X amount of money you're going to get. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get any more. You're not going to get any less. Okay. Your second-year player, this is how much money you're going to get. Not any more, not any less. Then your third year, you could, you know, have an X amount of money. Your third-year player, depending on sport, you could you could have the option to say, well, I'm going to continue my fourth year. Okay, we'll go ahead and give you that money. Your third year, well, I'm going to go ahead and test the market for the for the professional draft. Okay, then that's it. Bam. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you're you're saying to put it on more of a on an even level scale where everybody's making a similar amount, maybe fluctuate a little bit, but everybody based on their year or experience, they're making the same amount of money. My my question with that would be who do you want to 
who is going to regu- regulate that? Because I think the NCAA, I think we all can agree, is relatively on its last legs and does not hold the power that it once did. And like, right. who's who is going to set that standard, set those rules? I think what needs to happen, there needs to be a governing body mm-hmm. created by um, state legislatures, maybe the, some some instance of the government and some instance of higher higher education. And with, because the bottom line is, it has to be regular. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's really crazy to give a seventeen year old. I don't care if a seventeen year old can pound that rock or can slam dunk a basketball. It is crazy that you're going to give a 17-year-old $10, $20 million. I agree, man. A 17-year-old hasn't even proved, proven themselves on the football field. Hell, you don't even know if that 17-year-old is going to stay in school that next semester Agreed. based on academics alone. Yeah, yeah. Because you have to, that's an academic piece beside it because who's to say, yeah, he can play, but look at his grades in the, in, in the semester. There's a lot of other factors. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how would you have done with ten million dollars at seventeen, Jay? I would have been terrible with it. Look, look, me, and I I, I went to Tuskegee. Man, please, I would have gone to class. (laughs) Yeah, ten million dollars. Yeah, I would have gone to class. I do think that there are some collectives out there that at least are being a little better about that. I think there are kind of guardrails in place i don't know how prevalent it is uh i know that it's at least in some capacity prevalent uh here in auburn with there are requirements about staying eligible like Mm -hmm. keeping your grades up doing the things you need to do in order to be able to to stay eligible for x amount of money that comes in each month i do know that that is something that is in place at auburn um I, I I think it's interesting. I just I don't know if, when you talk about a governing body and you talk about state legislation, uh, I guess to set that up, then you run into an issue where it could be different in every yep, state, and then the other problem. states have have advantages. And look, Nick Saban, as long as he wants to stick around, Kirby Smart, as long as he's going to be at Georgia, if they want the best. Um, legislation in place to give them an advantage over Tennessee or other schools in the, in the area, they're, they're going to find a way to to get the most favorable one. And, it, and I, I worry about getting everybody on a different, I guess, level of playing field as far as what they can and can't do. Well, how about this? What about killing the NCAA? Because right now the, the NCAA is about as, is about as powerful as... Mm-hmm. Uh, Agreed. As a as a piece of as a feather, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it, it, the NCAA right now is about as powerful as what sharp. No, it, well, the NCAA, it, it's bad. And look, hey, man, Jay, we appreciate the call. We're up against the break. we got to let you go. That's We've had great callers, and, uh, again, we hate to cut you off against the I break. I this, this d- discussion, though. It's a great discussion. We'll talk about it some more in hour number two because I want to talk some more about what Jay said. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. On the line, live on ESPN 1067, 
Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz and Carter Bird. You're on the line. You're on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday, February 7th, 2023. Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird, with you on ESPN 106.7. Hour number one is officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two, officially underway right here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour, it was entertaining. It was not anything we expected. It was uh, completely different than the plan. And you know what? That is totally okay. We had a blast talking all things NIL. We talked some uh, LeBron James as well. Uh, We talked a lot of different things in that first hour, but some great NIL conversation, great phone calls from our listeners that really sparked up some interesting topics and different versions of the NIL conversation. So if you missed any of it, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it at ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center. You'll find it commercial free right there, right after the show. But Here's what's coming up in our number two. We are going to talk some more NIL a little bit just to sort of wrap that conversation up. We're going to talk Auburn on the road at Texas A&M tonight. Look at some other games around the SEC. See what's going on tonight in college basketball. And just like yesterday, uh, I will be leaving a little bit early as I'll be heading to uh, Lee Scott Academy. I get to call uh, Lee Scott Boys tonight in the Elite Eight, taking on Monroe. That'll be 5 o'clock on AU100. That's 100.3 on your radio dial. Also tonight, over on 96.3 WLE at 5.30, uh, Jack Hutton will be calling Auburn High School girls basketball versus Opelika in the area tournament, so you can catch that on our sister station, 96.3 WLE. Also, uh, before we get back into the conversation, want to shout out uh, at ESPNAU.com. If you click on the contest tab we have the big game sweepstakes going on right now uh and our sponsors are the orthopedic clinic walk-ons uh, sports bistro and university ace hardware where you can go and predict the winner of the big game coming up on sunday and uh one lucky winner is going to get a Auburn Network prize pack that includes a $100 Visa gift card, a walk-ons gift card that just opened up over in Opelika this week, and an, a, a kettle grill from Ace Hardware and a flat-screen TV. So all of that is included uh, if you are able to correctly pick and predict the big game score on Sunday. So go to ESPNAU.com right now, click on the contest tab, uh, enter your email, enter your score, and uh, see if you can become a winner over the weekend. But Carter, let's get back into and maybe wrap up the NIL conversation because man we had some interesting viewpoints from our listeners you and I have very different viewpoints on this and it just sparks up the note that there's still so much that's unknown about what NIL is and what it is becoming and how it's going to work and how or if it's going to be regulated there's so many things that are yet to take place and that have to change in the coming years yeah I think that um I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing if there was some sort of regulation put on things. I just don't know who it's going to be that does that, that puts these guardrails up. Because I don't think it's—I don't think the NCAA has the power to do it right now. I think no. That, 
Um, no. And I've said the NCAA within the next 10 years will be, they will not be governing the major five conferences, five or six conferences. I don't think they will be. I state, really don't. State governments doing it is, that's not going to work because then nobody's on level, uh, an even footing. Then you look at the federal government. I don't think they're just like champing at the bit to get involved there. Um, what, you say they got stuff going on right now? I'm just saying that I don't think they want to touch this because I don't think it's regulating the athlete's ability to get paid one way or the other. I don't think it helps anybody, and no matter who you are, uh, from a political perspective. Um, but yeah, I just think that it becomes a. I don't know. I I I, th- I guess there will have to be a governing body after the NCAA that could do it, which you and I talked about during the break. But I think you're at least a little bit away from that. Oh, you're and, you're a, a decent ways away from that. And so if if that's the case, I don't see it being regulated right now. I just don't. But yeah, and I think and I think I, most people are on the same page that there does need to be some form of regulation, some sort. And if you're not, if you're against that, if you think let the athletes make as much as physically possible and just let the thing go, give us your reason. We'd love to hear from you. And we'd love to hear from anybody who has something to say uh, on this NIL conversation that has been sparked up again, 334-321-1390, because there's so many different, again, there's so many different takes on this. There's so many different angles you can take on this. And there's no right or wrong answer right now because of the newness of what this is. And again, I blame the NCAA for this because Mm -hmm. They had an opportunity to release this the right way and to slowly introduce NIL, but they went from, no, you're not going to make money, no, you're not going to make money, no, you're not going to make money, bam, okay, everybody go and just make as much money as possible. And that's how this went down. There was so many better ways for this to be introduced to college athletics. They just did a horrible job, and again, shocker, because it's the NCAA, but there was just so many better ways, and now that it's just open the floodgates, let it go, now we're having to figure out ways to reel it back in and figure out a way to control this wildfire a little bit and get it going in the same direction. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be... I don't know what happens in the future with NIL. I really don't. I, I, I do think it's going to relax when it becomes apparent to some people that the current state of things is a bit unsustainable. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Well, we've got another phone call. We'll get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390, and we'll get to Spectre. You are on line one. Welcome in. Hey, well, you want my opinion how it's going to go? Yeah, let's hear it. Amateur sports is a thing of the past. Agreed. I I, I think at at some point in time, that's going to be where this is going to go. There's no governing body as we can speak of. You can't go as far as the federal government because look what's happening there. My Lord, uh, I could go on in another direction with that. But uh, to stay with the sports, if you're going to allow boys to play girls' sports, I don't see how you're going to control guys making millions of dollars just to play college football. And, and you know what? They may or may not. And that's and again, that's what this whole conversation is, is if they are going to regulate it, how do they do it? 
and look, obviously nobody has come up with anything, any sort of good idea because there's still nothing in place and there's no conversations being had of what to do. I think at some point college well, sports is going is actually going to become a le- oh, legitimately yeah. oh, like yeah. paid employee kind of thing. And then at that point in time, I think everything changes. Everything changes in terms of uh, the way we view athletes, um, the what's required of them. All sorts of things will change, and it'll be very fascinating if that does happen at some point. Well, one of the greatest coaches in modern football, Nick Saban, said it was going to be the downfall of college sports, and I believe it. Yeah, I mean, when Nick Saban says stuff, he's normally pretty right. And, and to be honest with you, Specter, before NIL officially became a thing, that was my argument against it. I was never against the athletes making money based off of their name, image, likeness, but I did talk about, and it was before I was on here, but just in general, my thoughts were college football and college athletics, that is what separates that from every other sport on professional level is them not getting paid, them sp- them playing for the love of the game to get to the professional level, playing for something other than money, and that's what made college football and college athletics so special. And, yeah, when you pay athletes, it's going to take a lot of that away, and we're seeing it a little bit, and I think that will only grow. Yeah, with all this being said, I don't see Auburn outspending Georgia and Alabama to have a player come to play for us. I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't, because I think that – when you look, I mean, I, I think Auburn can match whatever Alabama does for an individual player. Now, they might pick Alabama because of Nick Saban and what Alabama's been. They might pick Georgia because of what Georgia and Kirby Smart have been. But, I mean, if, if we're just talking a one-off scenario, I feel confident in Auburn's ability to compete as far as an NIL dollar value perspective goes. I mean, the, the, the only schools that I think Auburn would not have a chance with in the SEC right now is Texas A&M. Yeah, I mean, we're going to find out. There's no doubt. We'll find out. And, and you know, maybe the statement, the rich get richer. Maybe, that, maybe that'll play out here. We'll find out. Spectre, we appreciate the call. But, yeah, I mean, I mean we'll, there's, we'll there's, find there's out. There's evidence already that the rich are not, in fact, getting richer when you look at the entire composition of the the roster. Yes, you're you're seeing, I mean, look, look at A&M. Signed the best class of all time last cycle. Now, it's been outdone by Alabama this class. But... They signed that class, and what, seven, eight of them hit the portal and left already? Yeah, I mean, and your you, money can buy the best, but when it comes down to they it... They don't have to stay. Right, and it, that is where the transfer portal comes into this whole yes. conversation. But at the end of the day, it comes down to how good are the coaches, how good's the program, how good can you develop, and can you actually play? That's what this all comes down to, is playing football and winning games. So... You're absolutely right. I mean, just because a school has the most money, just because Alabama spent more on player A versus Auburn did, doesn't mean that that player is going to be better than the player that came to Auburn. Doesn't mean it's going to make Alabama better because he went there instead of Auburn. Those will all play out. Sometimes it will, sometimes it won't. But it all comes down to what it's always been in college football. How good's the coach? How good's the program? How good's the player? And how do they all mend? And do you win football games? That's what it comes down to. And so NIL and Transfer Portal, sure, it plays into all of that. And there's so many different factors that go into it. And it's changing literally every single day. But it still comes down to, are you winning football games? And that's what this is about. Yeah, I mean, I, I when you look at 
talking about, I, I just want to bring it back to rich get richer. Transfer portal has equalized a lot of that uh, because if you look at Alabama, they had 15 guys transfer out. And like one or two year. that came in, right? They didn't have very they many. Had, they had uh, Tresman Marshall, the, the former four-star linebacker from Georgia, who I think is a very good player. He mm-hmm. came in the door. And they had C.J. Dippery, the tight end out of Maryland. Uh, outside of that, that is it. Yeah. That is it. There are... Um, you're going to see these programs. And, and I know that they're bringing in all this talent in 2023. But not all those kids are going to walk on campus as freshmen and be ready to play. So the fact that there's a middle pocket of depth or maybe even some starting players when you look at this team and you look at the receivers that left for this Alabama team, when you look at JV and Cohen, who was a starting guard for Alabama for multiple years, when you see those guys hit the portal and leave, when you look at Tracian Holden uh, go to Oregon, there's a middle pocket and maybe even some some even smaller pockets of starting caliber players that are gone. It's going to affect the middle tier of depth where they're not able to stack five-star talent, four-star talent, five, six, seven deep at positions. Which you talk about the market sort of fixing itself, right, and balancing itself out. I think the transfer portal has a huge play in that, right? Because of what you just talked about where – Big-time programs can't go and stack up five five stars at the linebacker position. Oh, man, I hate that he got hurt. Hey, five-star, get, get in the game, right? That will balance those things out because those five stars no longer have to sit on the bench at Alabama for three years. Now, if you want to, you've got a great chance to play and you've got a good chance to go to the pros. But if you don't want to be that patient and you want to go play somewhere else that doesn't have as many five stars, you can go and do that now and get other NIL money at other places. So, yes to kind of give you a little uh, leg on your balancing out of the market I think the transfer portal is a huge part of that I really really do yeah and I'm I'm very curious to see if this continues the more you get stories like just think in the last couple of years um, you had Ford the running back that went from Alabama to Cincinnati where he yeah was yeah. a an ab he was buried on the roster at Alabama and he goes to Cincinnati is a stud and plays in the college football playoff and gets to the NFL. You have Drew Sanders, linebacker at Alabama, who is a depth guy, like played like in the rotation, but like never was a star. He transfers back home to Arkansas. I mean, he's a five-star kid coming out of high school, and he is going to be a top 20 pick in the, in the NFL draft by some people. The more you get success stories like that, the more you're going to see, I think, the rosters thin out at the top and more depth go to places where they know that they can get on the field show what they can do and get to the NFL which is why being a coach in college athletics has become so difficult because it's not just about recruiting high school kids and then coaching up your roster and developing your players you are constantly recruiting high school kids you are constantly recruiting guys on your own team you are constantly asking and and I don't want to say begging but 
reassuring guys and reassuring yourself that your players are going to stay with you. You're having to worry about the transfer portal. You're having to worry about NIL money. You're having to worry about boosters. You're having to worry about all this stuff as a college football, college basketball, college volleyball coach, whatever sport you're coaching in college, they're all dealing with it. And that's why the job has become so hard. And that's why I said NIL and transfer portal would be the end of Nick Saban because eventually I just don't think guys like him want to put up with it anymore. It's a new era of college football. It's a new era of college athletics. Man, we could sit here and talk about this for eight hours and have great callers like we've had all day long. Everybody's given a great perspective and their opinion on it. And we've loved hearing from you. But we do have Auburn basketball to talk about. We will get to that when we come back because I am dipping out early at 3.30 to go call at least Scott basketball. Carter will wrap up the show. Uh, we'll talk about Auburn basketball when we come back. I'll tell you what I think about tonight's game and give you my prediction. Carter will wrap it up. We've got uh, a couple of more breaks here. We'll get to one here. We'll talk Auburn basketball when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 1067, Auburn Open like a sports leader. Getting off of the uh, very complex and awesome NIL discussion that we have had today for the first hour and 20 minutes of the show. Um, I do want to talk Auburn basketball a little bit because, uh, again, I will be leaving uh, at our bottom of the hour break. I'm heading over to Lee Scott Academy to call the Varsity Boys in the Elite Eight tonight of the state tournament, taking on Monroe at 5 o'clock. You can catch that on AU100. That's 100.3 on your radio AU100FM.com and the AU100 app. Also, Auburn High School basketball, the girls taking on Open Opelika, that'll be on 96.3 W. Lee uh, with Jack Hudden. They are taking on Opelika in the area tournament, are the girls, and so you can catch that with Jack Hudden. But uh, for the next couple of minutes, I want to give my thoughts on the game tonight. Auburn on the road at Texas A&M. A very difficult game for Auburn mentally, I think, just because of what happened on Saturday, right, how you played in Tennessee, what happened the last time you played this Texas A&M team in your home arena? Uh, they came in after less than a week that you took over the uh, longest winning home winning streak in the country. A&M came in and put an end to that pretty easily. And you look at ESPN right now. A&M has a 68% chance to win, according that to their matchup high. predictor. It does that feel high. high. 68.4 feels very, very high right now. The spread for A&M is 3.5 at home. The total is 138.5. I'm looking at three. I've got three and a half. Oh, okay. I see what you're looking at. It, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at the the consensus pick, but yes, I do see where, where you're looking at three yes, and a half. Yes, yeah. So you're looking at three, three and a half right now for the spread. A&M's favored by a bucket right now at home. Borderline two. And look, tonight's going to be tough for Auburn. They have got to fix some things on offense. How about run some offense? That'd be a great start tonight. If you would run some offensive plays yeah. and get some better looks besides shooting half of your field goals from beyond the three-point line, I look for Auburn tonight to, and I'll have to catch probably the first 10 minutes of the first half after the game recorded whenever I'll be calling Lee Scott, but I will see the whole thing. I look for Auburn tonight. Feed Janai Broom down low. Be a more physical team. Be a more mentally tough team run some offense, and use your defense to get you through the end on this one because you're on the road in the SEC. It's tough to win, right? We've seen that. It is tough to win on the road in college basketball. 
Your defense has to travel tonight. Will A&M shoot like they did the last time? You better hope not. I don't think they will, but I, you better hope not. Because if they do, Auburn doesn't stand a chance. Well, if they don't shoot that way in the first half. I think that was... That got Auburn out of their game. Right. I think Auburn got... Auburn didn't deal with the adversity of somebody just shooting the lights out in the first half. Well, right. I think they, they started pressing, started trying to do too much. A&M cooled off in the second half, if you recall. They only they like, they like shot 56 58% in the first half. Uh, they ended the game shooting 47.3. So the second half was drastically different. They were somewhere around 55 56% from three in the first half. They finished 36.8% from three. So... They were got significantly colder in the second half, but I think Auburn was out of their flow and out of their game, and it Auburn just could not string enough possession. Auburn got close. There was a moment where they could have cut it to six, and I thought they would have had the building back on their side, and they get a stop, and then an immediate turnover. Right, and that's where I was sort of going with this is – as much as we talk about Auburn getting off to a good start in these games, not giving up 45 points in the first half, that is so big tonight. When you're on the road at Texas A&M, that place will be sold out, I promise you. A&M fans are all about this basketball team right now. They're all behind them. They think they've got a Final Four squad. They don't, but they think they do. And that building will be jam-packed tonight. It will be loud. They will be raucous. And they will take advantage of Auburn's sloppy play if Auburn goes and turns the basketball over. Not just straight-up turnovers on the scorecard. Wendell Green does not need to shoot at double-digit times tonight. That does not need to happen. Jani Broom needs to. Jani Broom needs to have a double-double tonight, in my opinion. He's a walking double-double if he tries. And if Auburn gets him the basketball, he is a walking double-double. Wendell Green needs to be a point guard tonight, not a shooting guard. He needs to do his job orchestrate the offense, get the ball to Jalen Williams and Janai Broom. Those two guys have to play well tonight. If they score big and they don't turn the ball over, Auburn will win. Yeah, I think I think Auburn, if Auburn answers the call physically, I think that they can they can win this game if they protect the basketball. Those are the two things that I'm most uh, concerned about. By the way, to kind of go on a brief little tangent here, uh, we got some news out of the NBA G League. Sharif Cooper is headed to the G League Next Up game at the All-Star Weekend. Okay, interesting. Um, I saw after. he was named, like, what, Player of the Month or something the Kia other day? G League Player of the Month yeah. for January. Yeah, he's balling out, man. He he's is. absolutely balling out. He's a, he's a fantastic player. Surely somebody will give, because I think he's got a little more size, size than Jared. I think that there's a little bit more of a future in the NBA uh, than Jared ever had. Surely somebody lets him sit on the end of the bench and maybe get, get some backup minutes at the point guard position. I hope so, man. He, he can obviously play. I mean, he can obviously play. It's just, again, that's a guy that his height will hold him back in the NBA, unfortunately. And um, look, we all know he's a great player. I think he needed another year at Auburn, but he's a I great think it player. Done, it would have done him a whole lot of good to come back one more year. Well, you want to talk about somebody that got some bad advice. You know, Sharif Cooper, he got some bad advice, man. Well, he, he really did. He was supposed to be a back-end-of-the-first-round guy, and he fell to the middle of the second round. There was a talk at one point of him being a lottery pick in the NBA draft. Yeah. And then he fell all the way to where he did, and now he's playing. He Look, he's balling out in the G League, but, yeah, I mean, hopefully he gets a shot Ooh. in the NBA. Now you've got me. If Think about last year's oh, team if oh. Sharif and JT Thor come back. That would have been nasty. You, nasty. You're, you're talking about a legitimate Elite Eight Final Four team. 
with Sharif Cooper and JT Thor. What would the starting five have been? Sharif, JT, Jabari, Walker. You can pick playing JT or Jabari at the three. I think you, you can pick. I mean, I might put Jabari at the three because of his ability to shoot. I'd put I'd put Jabari at the three to shoot. JT down low for his rebounding. And, and you want to talk about something that would have transformed that team if you had JT and Jabari and the ability to have them both on the court and one of them playing the three, dude. Because the three was the black hole of darkness last year. That team would have been dirty. There man. was nothing, no production out of the three all year long. Who's shooting guard on that team? I mean, it it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't I mean, matter. You you run. You could run. KD's you could run Zep. Zep Wendell at the two guard if you want. I'd start Zep with, yeah. with Sharif. Like you, all of a sudden you have depth at the point uh, because Sharif is an actual point guard, and he's going to give you thirty minute, thirty two minutes a game. That team would have been nasty, man. <sighs> JT Thor will go down as one of the most underrated, quietest players to ever go through Auburn. That yep. dude is a stud. He is so good and didn't get a chance to show it well, because of the timeline he played. Seventeen years old. Yeah, when he left Auburn. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, he was 17 well, on campus. He, he was 18 when he got drafted right, because right. he was he was somewhere perfectly around the draft deadline that allowed him to enter the draft after one year. Which credit but to he him, he should have. Year, he skipped his senior year of high school. Good for him. Good for him. He's fantastic. I don't think I don't think he'll be the last high school recruit to do that. I think there will be more and more people that that do that to get to the league faster. Probably so. 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm out of here. Carter's got you the rest of the way. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Welcome back to On the Line here in the Auburn Network studio. Carter Bird here for the final 30 minutes as uh, my co-host Jacob Goins is going to set up at Lee Scott Academy for some boys basketball as they are, I think, in the Elite Eight uh, tonight at 5 o'clock on AU100 uh, against Monroe, I do recall. Um, but before we get rolling here, I do I do want to mention something that I do find uh, very, very funny. It's just total random note here. This next football season, Northwestern and Iowa are playing in, in Wrigley Field, uh, at Wrigley Field, and I think that it'll be a lot of fun because I think that whatever the score will end up being will not be the highest scoring game uh, in Wrigley Field history because I think both both teams combined for maybe 30, 30 points, which uh, I bet you there's been a game at Wrigley that's been higher scoring than that. But uh, we've been talking about this Auburn basketball game coming up tonight. Uh, as Auburn takes on, takes on Texas A and M, first time out, Auburn uh, was took a loss, seventy nine sixty three. They get a chance at revenge on the road in College Station tonight. Uh, certainly going to be a challenge for Auburn. If you want to call in and talk about this game, call in at three three four three two one thirteen ninety. This game to me. Uh, when you look at, I think this is, I had said previously, the Georgia game was the most uh, important game of Auburn season because if you didn't win it last week, you could have a six-game losing streak going into the Missouri game. At least it played out in a way where that could certainly happen. I will make a different assertion about this game, and I will say that this game, to me, 
is a somewhat of a final stand for Auburn on the toughness and physicality front. And it the first time out in that game in Neville Arena, you saw Texas A&M physically take it to Auburn. Uh, it felt like they were the stronger team, the more physical team, the tougher team. And they got after Auburn. Um, and they end up kind of getting Auburn out of their game and cruising to the 79-63 victory on the road uh, and improved to, I believe, 6-1 and one in Auburn since they've joined the conference. Uh, and at that point in time, I think it was their fourth win in the last five tries versus an AP top 25 team. So you have in that game, you're kind of beat up. You're kind of... Um, off your game a little bit. Um, you you were not the most physical team on the, on the floor. And then in Auburn's last game against Tennessee, I thought Auburn showed up and they challenged Tennessee. And I thought that I I loved what I saw in the first four minutes because I thought Auburn was going to the rim. I thought Auburn was more physical. I thought Auburn came into the game and said. Okay, Tennessee, we're going to physically challenge you. But the issue was at 14:42 left in the first half, there's a media timeout, I believe. Tennessee goes back um, to Rick Barnes. They regroup. Plavchich is in the game, and it felt like the entire uh, physicality of the game to that point, where Auburn had been the more physical team, felt like it got flipped on its head. It felt like Tennessee responded, and it felt like they came out with a with a physicality out of that timeout. Uh, Plavchich was extremely physical. He might be the most physical player in the SEC individually. And, uh, I mean, there was a moment there where it felt like he was kind of ragdolling Yoan Traor. I thought Yoan did his best, but as we've described Yoan this year, he looks a little bit like a baby deer out there. Would have been a game where it would have been extremely helpful to have the likes of Dylan Cardwell because we've seen him show that physicality against Texas A&M. Even though at times this year I've been a little critical of his physicality and his toughness, but it felt like they Auburn kind of cowered in my in my estimation, and Auburn was not ready for that game to turn as physical as it did. There were some possessions where Janai Broom wouldn't set a single foot in the paint. Uh, I felt like he quit going at the rim, and he started trying to pivot, look for passes, and fade away from the rim. I thought Jalen Williams wasn't as physical as he needed to be on the offensive end. And I felt like it affected Auburn. I felt like they let the physicality of the game get to him, um, and it certainly was not exactly exciting to watch. So I think tonight's a great opportunity. But uh, we're going to head to the phone lines, as I believe uh, friend of the show and my good buddy Jack Hudden is on the line. Jack, welcome in, buddy. Uh, we are talking this this Auburn-Texas A&M game tonight, and uh, I just kind of want to want to take the temperature here. What are, you, what are you feeling going into this game tonight? What's up, brother? How's everything going today? It's going all right, um, buddy. How are you? Man, I'm good. It, uh, so it seems for me like this is kind of Auburn's this – this is their opportunity to reset um, some things, and, and I've – I was listening to you talk there for a couple minutes when you when you came back, and I think you and I both agree with this. And to be honest, I'm not sure how many people I've seen that have really agreed with us on this, but 
man, I felt like just the the toughness, even though you had a Tennessee team that is one of the best in, I mean, frankly, in college basketball history in terms of their defensive numbers, um, even though you had a team like that, you and I both felt like the toughness, the, the physicality just wasn't there from Auburn the other night. Yep. Um, and it seemed like, you know, they had an, they had an opportunity still to win the game even, even with that. And so I think that this is an opportunity for Auburn to reset tonight. If you play that kind of basketball again, um, I think you're going to be in a similar situation, even though your opponent may not be quite as up to par. But I still think that you're you're going to get bullied around um, in a lot of the same way that Auburn did last time at Neville Arena against the A&M team. So I think in, in a lot of ways, this comes down to being tougher, um, not just physically, but mentally, it seems like. I mean, you, you get a lot of slumped shoulders sometimes from the guys on the floor. You get, um, you know, you get a lot of complaining for foul calls instead of just playing the next play. And yeah. I think this is an opportunity for Auburn to, to show some toughness after um, after almost pulling one out the other night against Tennessee when, to be frank, they, they did not play very well, didn't play very tough. So I don't know about you, Jack. I didn't love necessarily the messaging uh, publicly from Bruce Pearl after the game where he said that he didn't feel that his guys were affected by the environment, which maybe they weren't infected or affected by the environment. I think they were affected by the style of play. Then he also made the uh, nod to poor officiating, which you and I both did not love uh, coming out of that game, especially when you need this team needs to believe. Um, that they have to be more physical, and I don't love giving the uh, scapegoat of the refs coming out of that game. Um, but you and I kind of talked about it. I I can't recall if we talked about it on the air or not. This is a moment in time where you have to feel like this staff has to challenge this team physically, because if you don't show up and show the physicality needed in this game, I think I think. I don't know where where you're going to get that edge back. I don't know where you're going to have that physicality. I think teams might see that and start taking advantage. Well, I feel like to, I guess, and this may go against that a little bit, but I I still feel like this is is somewhat to your point there. I think that at home, Auburn Auburn is a different team. Now, I I know that last time out, uh, well, a couple of times ago, this Texas A&M team comes in and, and they big boy you pretty much all night. I still think Auburn has the ability to play with more confidence at home. And so that's kind of where my confidence of them still, you know, being able to find their way into a tournament, no matter what happens on the road. uh, I still think that that happens fairly easily. What I don't think is, you know, behooving Auburn very well, though, is I think that the, this A&M squad is not going to be necessarily any different from last time out. It's just that Auburn has, has, like we've said a couple of times now, they've got to be ready for more of a physical fight underneath and for more of a mental fight really with themselves. We've seen it now for a couple of weeks where you saw it against A&M and then you saw it against Tennessee. And again, you're getting the national media who's talking about, well, Auburn played them close and, and, you know, the, the officiating at the end kind of did them in. You and I talked about it. We feel like Auburn could have won that game by 10, 12 points. I'll be if honest. they have played smarter basketball. 
I think, and so I think I think that's where you've got to have some improvement this week. Is is you've not only got to challenge your squad if you're if you're Bruce Pearl and the coaching staff, you don't only have to challenge them physically. You've got to challenge their, I guess, their basketball IQ and say, guys, we we got to do something different yeah. on offense. We can't keep going back to street ball every time we get in. You know, a, a little bit of a rut. Yeah, I think that. I think I even made the uh, claim that from the first Bruce Pearl team that won the the regular season championship, so the year before the Final Four year, I think any team from that point to now, besides this team, if they play in that game at Tennessee, I think you see any other Bruce Pearl team win that game. Because he had, he's had so much success, even the Sharif Cooper year, the Justin Powell year, you played Tennessee, a really good Tennessee team. You don't have any point guards. And you still kind of just like dragged them up and down the court. You figured out a way to beat them. And I think that every Auburn team we have seen against Tennessee, because they know what it means to Bruce, has shown unbelievable fight and unbelievable effort. And I don't I just don't think we got that on Saturday. I don't. And and I you know you know what I'm concerned about with this game tonight? With the fact that you give up 15 offensive rebounds to Tennessee, this A&M team is one of the best offensive rebounding teams in America. They have the sixth highest offensive rebound percentage in the country at 37.4%. If you give an effort like you did on the glass, on the defensive glass, like Auburn did on Saturday, A&M might get 17, 18, 20 offensive rebounds in this game. Well, talking about that, how do you how do you mitigate that? Let's say that that's going to be something that that A and M just just gets away with tonight. So, if you're Auburn, how do you mitigate that on the scoreboard? You create scoring opportunities for yourself, and I yes. think with the with the lack of production we've seen from guys like KD Johnson, um, from I mean, you know, you even look at the freshmen like Trey Orr and Westry. Yeah, you hadn't got what you wanted out of them, but I think the emergence of KD. Um, the, that second half against Tennessee and, and a little bit of that Georgia game, too. Um, I think you're starting to see every now and again the old KD pop out. And so, to me, if you get into a physical war and you need to you need some buckets on your end, that could be an X factor tonight is if does KD continue to come along and kind of turn into that bulldog role yeah. that, we've, that we've come to know him as. So why I think why, why can't you get those last, those last five minutes of KD on Saturday? Why can't I get that for the whole game? It's just yeah. that's the part that's so frustrating. He's a 25% three-point shooter, and his first three shots on Saturday were three-point attempts, and he missed all three. I, like, I don't yeah. get that. I mean, frankly, I don't get Wendell Green – who's a 28% three-point shooter, taking nine of his ten shots from behind the arc. Well, I don't understand the entire team taking 27 shots behind the arc when you've only made, I think it was one of 18 at one point, and you keep shooting threes. And so that's, that's another point that I don't really understand the, the strategy behind that. Um, look, I mean, talking about this one tonight, one of the things that I'm going to be watching for you know, you got Chris Moore back for the first time in a while last game against Texas A&M, but I mean, he was still kind of coming off that yeah. that shoulder pain. That he's he still had a big shoulder so, brace too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that could be a little different tonight. You know, maybe Auburn is able to bang around underneath a little bit more. Um, I think you need a big one from Jani Broom, obviously. Um, 
you know, you need to challenge. You got to go back and, and challenge Jalen Williams again. I think, um, you know, you and I have talked about he he kind of seems comfortable in that role of sitting back and, and letting other players, you know, take the big shot. And boy, that's just not what you need from him. I mean, you you want that guy to be an alpha moving forward. So hopefully Auburn can get that those guys going tonight. And I really Agreed. think um, if if Katie Johnson can get going tonight and, and kind of show what he was maybe in the Bahamas last year. Um, or Atlantis, whatever. I think it's the same thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, showing what he showed last year at times, um, maybe past few games, if he can show that, I think Auburn can score, can um, get inside more. And I think that that's going to be Auburn's ticket tonight is you got to compete on the defensive glass, but then you got to take advantage of your scoring opportunity. Agreed. Jack, are you are you able to, to hang through the uh, break and, I guess, give a final prediction with me uh, as we wrap up the show next segment? Yeah, I'm actually uh, headed up right now to Central High School uh, to call some Auburn High School basketball. So um, I can, uh, I'll stay on the horn with you. Awesome. Sounds good. We're going to hit our final break here of the Tuesday edition of On the Line. When we come back, we will uh, give our final predictions for this Auburn game tonight, and I'll let uh, Jack plug uh, what he's calling tonight with Auburn High basketball. So we'll see you on the other side of this break. You are on the line. On ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com, or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Welcome back to the Tuesday edition of On the Line here in the Auburn Network studio. Carter Bird, uh, Jacob Goins is on the road right now setting up for Lee Scott uh, boys basketball tonight as they take on Monroe on AU 100 here in about a little over an hour. Uh, joined on the phone lines by... My good buddy and voice of the Auburn High School Basketball Tigers, uh, Jack Hutton. Jack, we were uh, talking about uh, this Auburn basketball game. But uh, first, I'm, you know what? I'm going to let you plug uh, Auburn High basketball tonight because I know you, you got a lot going on with that. I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, so the Auburn High School women tonight um, taking on Opelika, but they're going to be at Central High School. This is the area tournament. He got the first round tonight, and then uh, Winner buys himself a spot in the 7A playoffs uh, next week. Um, the Winner also move on to the area tournament championship. That one going to be Friday night, um, and we'll have all that action on WLE 96.3, the sister station for uh, this one, as well as uh, we're also going to have the Auburn High School men. They'll tip off on Thursday and then a possible championship game on Saturday, and the, and the men will actually host that one inside Auburn High School. So a lot of postseason action coming up. Really excited uh, to watch these teams try to make the playoffs and make that Final Four. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an exciting time here around the stations. We've got uh, four high school basketball teams trying to uh, make runs to potential state championships. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of all over the place calling high school basketball games. Uh, certainly an exciting week. But let's hop back into this Auburn basketball game tonight. Auburn on the road at A&M, a three-and-a-half-point uh, underdog in this one. The over-under is 138-and-a-half, which I'll tell you what, that feels really high um, considering the way that Auburn plays on offense and the way that uh, A&M can play on offense. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think the um, you know you didn't even – you barely even get to – what was it? I think it was. Um, was it? What, did they get to 138 last time out? I mean, what 79 and 
think it was 63 last time out. Is that right? They got to about 142 last time. Yeah, 142. Okay, so they so they do get there last time. Um, I'm not convinced that, uh, that that this Auburn team is going to score more than, uh, you know, 70, maybe 65 points in a game. Um, so I think the defensive end is going to have to be primarily where they make their money tonight. Um, I do see, and I mentioned it very quickly last segment, but I think that the X factor right now for this Auburn team, I think that could kind of to get their offense charging forward is if they get some sort of emergence from KD Johnson. Um, you know, he's, he's had a tough year from behind the arc, of course, and he kind of ended the year last year in the same way, but I think we've seen in spurts when he goes to the basket and he tries to, um, you know, finish through contact and get foul at the rim. He's a good free throw shooter, yep. um, and he's able to finish some of those tough shots. And so I think that that could be the ticket to Auburn kind of getting some more offensive success. Um, you know, certainly not one. He, he's certainly not going to be the guy that I think is the go-to right now. Um, but, I mean, if he can give you, you know, 10, 12 points on those drives to the bucket and kind of open up some other shooters as well, um, you could start to see a couple more points on the board for Auburn. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. You've you've heard me rant about KD Johnson before. When he <laughs> settles for uh, long mid range and, and contested threes, those are the worst shots he takes uh, possible. He is at his best going to the rim, getting layup looks. I mean, he finished the game two of three, and his one missed shot was a contested mid range. I do believe. Uh, but he got to the free throw line in the last game. I think he got to the line eight times. He hit six of them. You need him going to the free throw line. You need him going to the rim uh, in a game like this. My X factor for this game, I'm going to put it on Stephen Pearl and the staff. Uh, I, well, I know Bruce is the head coach, obviously, but I know Stephen does a lot of the scouts. Okay, your last time, two times out, AM is throwing that long trap at you and you have not handled it well at all, I am curious to see what the plan is for that tonight. That is going to be what I am looking forward to. That's going to be what I am watching because you cannot have Wendell Green fighting for his life in a trap like we have seen uh, the past couple times out. I mean, I compared it the last time you and I talked about it. He looked like he was... uh, at the beach battling a riptide, just trying to get through all of the traffic and just be able to breathe. It looked like he was fighting for air. Um, he, you got to figure out a plan for that. And so my X Factor in this game is, what can you do to help Wendell Green? What, what plan do you have to help him so he does not get in those situations? Uh, and when he does get in those situations, do you have guys going to the basketball? Jack, really quickly, prediction for tonight? Uh, I'm, I think I think Auburn goes in and gets it done tonight. I've actually got a good feeling about this one. I think they figured out some things on the uh, defensive end that are going to help them. I don't think Radford goes for 30, so I'll get yep. Auburn in a close one. Same. I've got Auburn winning 68-64. Well, Jack, appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we are running out of time. Otherwise, I'd get you to get one last plug in. But this has been the Tuesday edition of On the Line.